0: From since 2016 when Beyonce didn't win um, album of the year for Lemonade I was like okay fine so these awards aren't for us then and I was cool with that they have told us what they think about us and so I don't need to either
1: everyone and welcome to the black canvas podcast this is episode 37 i'm gonna give an apology right at the top of the episode because i am unwell at the moment so that is why i sound very very nasally so yeah it's that time of year guys so deal with it so i've just told you how i'm feeling i like shit how do you both feel
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh God.
0: A a segue queen.
2: <laughs> literally <laughs> Ah, I try, I try. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go on, how are you feeling? Hopefully than me.
2: Yeah, I'm actually doing all right, you know, surviving Nanya and all that, but I'm good. I am preparing to get out of this England, so yeah, I'm good, ma'am. Lovely jubbly.
1: Demetrius, how are we feeling?
0: Uh, I'm good. I'm a bit tired today because I haven't really had any time to relax this week, um, and I went to the gym this morning, so... Um, but outside of that, I'm good. Just a little tired. I can't wait to go to bed. Actually,
1: I mean your your week last week reminded me of like pre COVID. That that was life pre COVID.
0: I don't know how I survived. I'm literally. telling you, out, every
1: day in the office, every like, day in
0: the office, and then out like three nights in a row, drinking three nights in a row. It was like pre COVID, and it got to Saturday, and I, and I, and it was like oh we have to march, and I was like. God, deliver your spirit into my legs, <laughs> because <laughs> <with> how...
2: <laughs> give me the willpower.
0: I said, God, deliver some spirit into my legs, because I don't know how I'm walking. I managed it, but yeah, yeah.
1: No, you managed it fine. Like I'm yeah. telling you, like I said, devil is a liar, because I started feeling sick from then. and I said, <laughs> no, no, we are going to this march, and we'll. <laughs> We will touch on that in a minute, um, But highlights of the week, before we get into that.
0: I would say um, on Thursday, uh, I had to present the content marketing strategy for work, and uh, I absolutely hate public speaking. Um, I get really, really nervous. You wouldn't believe it, but I actually hate it. It, like, really, really yeah i just get really really nervous but you know uh when you're pushed outside of your comfort zone you know that's kind of like where the magic happens and it went really well and everyone loved it and everyone was like oh my god it's so great uh, and i was like yeah, okay yeah I'm well. but <laughs> no yeah it was really good um and i was quite proud of myself that's my highlight
2: lovely tiff <sighs> guys i had a long week as well Um, but I'm so happy I got some commissions done. I'm finishing my last one before I go on my trip now. So yeah, I, that'll be my highlight because I was just under so much pressure with time because obviously I still have to do editing, you know, I can't stop. Do you know what I mean? I can't stop being a parent and all those other things to do it. So yeah, it was a tiring week, but I got it done and the client was so, so happy, went off on a trip, sent them off. And so yeah, I feel good. It's just really satisfying when you complete um, a commission and give the pieces over to the client. It's just such a satisfying feeling. So, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good.
0: And I loved your pieces. You you sent us like
2: yeah some images, and
0: images, and like a little real thingy in your in our group chat. And I was like, wow, like you're super talented, Tiff.
1: Thanks,
2: guys. Oh, I'm, I'm being I'm being thing. serious
1: about wanting to commission something. I think I want to commission like a nice chunk. Like I love cardigans, like chunky Ooh, cardigans. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking something like that. I just need to find an image of what is in my head, and yeah, then I will share it with you. Maybe? Yeah. Oh, I'm.
2: I'm <coughs> so you guys like mm-hmm. like it. Lovely. So yeah, that's my highlight this week. I Thank at you. least I have one prepared semi, but <laughs> tops.
1: <laughs> Yep. Um, I would say my highlight, um, I think we met up, so after the march on Saturday, um, Dems and I met up with a, I think we can kind of call her a friend now. And we actually met her at the um, protest that was outside of Parliament all those weeks ago. Um, So she's an American lady. Hey, girl. And You know how Americans are, like, they don't care. They just come up to you, like, like, hi, let's be friends, like, kind of of vibe. And we met up with her for a bite to eat after the march on Saturday. And it was just really nice, really, really nice to just meet up with, like, a fresh face. And she is just incredible. Like, I really love her vibe and the fact that she just put herself out there. I really loved that because I'm trying to do more of that. And it was just a great conversation. So, um, yeah, so before we get into, like, the main body, like, of the episode, I will just, we, as I said, we went to the National March that was on Saturday. So this is, like, the, what number are we at now? Seven, eight? It is, I mean, we've been, there's been a lot. We went to the um, pro-Palestine March in London on Saturday and while we, we, we were able to get the speeches at the end and at that time they said that there was about a quarter of a million people. So yeah. I think if we're talking about over a hundred days and we're still getting those kind of numbers in London, I think that's just, that's incredible. Mm. The momentum is still there even after almost what, three months people are still coming out and, um, and what was really interesting about the march for us on Saturday is that we were actually approached for an interview. Uh.
2: Um, <laughs> interview of Hume. See how you guys don't want to give me the lowdown when I'm absent. Oh, no,
1: honestly. It, it oh, no.
0: Was, he did not want to be part of this interview. It was not
1: worth, like, uh. us. Like, honestly, like, we were just there marching along, you know, minding our business, having a bit of kiki, you know, chanting all sorts, right? And then we get approached by, you know, oh, would you, would you mind... Um, giving us an interview and we're like, okay, sure, you know, we talk for a living, why not? And we're like, where are you from? And he was what did he say again? He said he's from a anti-Semitism charity. Yeah. I said, okay, well me. I was like, okay, me too. I mean I'm I'm against all forms of racism. So okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's why I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: like, do you know what I mean? Like it's all it's all good. Do you know what I mean? And I mean we won't get into the nitty-gritty of it, but it was obvious that they did not realize who they were going to approach. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> like but I don't know between what he. The thought, two of maybe... us as well. What'd you say?
0: And between the two of us as well.
1: Yeah, like I don't know. Maybe he thought, oh, why? What these these blacks just here, just on a, on a Saturday? Let me just That's have. Exactly what he thought.
0: Yeah, because the way he zigzagged through through people to to pick us.
1: Yeah. Like he literally he made knew. a p-line for us. Yeah. I'm telling you, like you got a quarter of a million people out of the march. Like he was very intentional about approaching us. Yeah. Um and the questions were very interesting. And what I will say, I definitely would not take the credit because Dems answered most of the questions and Dems bodied those questions. Right. <laughs> like bodied those questions because he was it was very strange. One of the questions was, he must have said something about how, oh, um, Israel doesn't want Gaza. And both me and them immediately looked at each other in such confusion, like, "Oh right, well, I guess I'll just go home then." Like what?
0: the way we, the way we looked at each other, we were like, "This interview is over."
1: Yes, like he, <laughs> <And it's... laughs> he knew straight away that I clearly have approached the wrong people here. <laughs>
2: Well, oh, I need to see, see that. that footage. We were just
1: spitting, like, facts upon facts upon facts. Like, do you know them ones where it's like, if you are if you actually approach someone who reads, right? Yeah. And actually know what they're talking about, because he said something along the lines of, well, where do you want um, the Israelis to go? And we were like, well, where do you want the 1.2 million displaced Palestinians to go? Like, it was just a very, he clearly was there to try and stir up I don't know, like, to try and claim anti-Semitism from yeah. the of march. And we've said this multiple times on the podcast, but I think that even I think I know that having a pro-Palestinian um, stance comes from a place of anti-racism, right? Yeah. As in the full picture. Like, you don't just pick and choose what kind of discrimination or what kind of hate you want to align to. Like, it's a blanket, like, I do not support any form of racism, any form of hate, any form of bigotry. Like, that's where that comes from. And the fact that, you know, nearly three months on, people are still wanting to sort of be willful, willfully ignorant about the purpose of these marches mm. really grinds my gears. But it was an interesting conversation.
0: It definitely was an interesting conversation. And the way that that guy... And he was a really nice guy. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. The conversation... Yeah, I was 17,
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the conversation was really polite like I was super polite Tops was super polite but the way that he was just trying to like weave the conversation to kind of get a certain narrative out of us at one point we were like Tops and I just looked at each other and we're like why are we why are we still standing here like you, you can't get what you want so why are we still here and after a while he kind of got it and he was like oh okay okay thanks for thanks for talking to us
1: yeah let's move on and I said yeah and we were just like thank you so much and have a wonderful day yeah and that was that yeah very
2: interesting we've not been approached at a with you two honestly I can actually see it in my head that you two like right mm. <laughs> well no not really but yeah and let me tell you why yeah really really good. Good. <laughs> helping you two like, like, one point, he
1: said, "Oh, what do you think? What do you? What word do you think of when you think of Zionism?" And I just was like, "White supremacy, bruv. Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> what are we saying here?" Like, it it was he didn't just know
0: what to say when you said that. He didn't know what to say. Right, he was I not don't... ready for it. Nope, nope. And then he was then he was talking about, "Oh well, um, a, a lot of uh, Jewish people uh, are Arabs as well, were descendants from Arabs," and I was like. Well, why are you bombing your own people in Gaza? Then
1: there you go. <laughs> like, it was, it was such a, um, it's a very si- like very simple questions and have very. It just it, again, it's just another illustration about how not uncomplicated this whole thing is. Yeah,
0: like, like very so- very weird questions with very simple answers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like the media narrative is, you know, the Middle East conflict is so complicated, and you have to have like a PhD in Middle East studies. When actually, no, it's not that complicated. And when you really sit down and think about it and challenge some of these narratives, you'll understand that it is not. And that's why knowledge is so important. Mm. So, yeah, it was, you know, a nice little sparring back and forth and, you know, just sharpening my knowledge and stuff. So, shout out to him. I'm sure he won't be using the footage. (laughs) So... (laughs) So it's all good. But yeah, uh, shout out to Palestine Solidarity UK who put on these marches. Um, It is not an easy thing I can imagine. I mean, there was food there. Like it was a lot. So shout out to everyone who went and I think they've announced the next one. So yeah, they have. So the key UK dates. So the 7th of Feb is the Workplace Day of Action. And then the 10th of Feb is the National Day of Action. And then the 17th of February is the National March for Palestine. So that is a that is the global day of action for Gaza. So it's not just our national march, but there will be various marches around the world. So we're basically sort of coming together um, in solidarity. Um, so not just in the UK, but around the world. So yeah, more information to follow closer to the time on those ones. Um, but yes, in a dramatic U-turn, we are going to talk about an event that, we attended last week. Dems, what was it called? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because you, <laughs> you know how much I hate saying this word. It was called Uppity Tops. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I know why you said it, because we kept on talking about it on Saturday. <laughs> and I was oh. like... Oh my god, I can't, I can't say this word again. And Top was just laughing at me because I, was...
1: I have never said the word uppity <laughs> more times in my life than this last week. <coughs> I, I swear to you, like it's not in my voc- It's not in my vocab, right? It's not something that I just say. So the fact that I've had to use it multiple times in this last week is, is very disturbing, right? But that is not the purpose of this conversation. We went to an event, um, it's called Uppity, the, Intelli- the Intellectual Playground. So it is founded and hosted by the writer Nails Abbey. Um, so we will give you a bit of background. So Uppity is a one of a kind intellectual pre- playground where the audience watches a debate on a particular topic where they act as the jury. Then they vote on the outcome of the conversation and contribute to the debate with their own opinions. Right, so the description of it is great. I think it's a great concept, Um, but I'll be honest, I think had um, Busaya not been a part of the event, I don't think it's an event I would have just been like, yeah, I want to go to Uppity. I think that the name really grates on me if you haven't clocked already. I think that the name is awful. I think that they should change it. (laughs) Because, I mean, I don't know, why we are we saying uppity With all the connotations, with that word... Um, we don't need to reclaim words. The English language is very vast um, and there are a lot of words we could use and we don't need to use uppity. So that's that. We won't harp on too much about that, but I wouldn't be me if I wasn't honest. and I don't like the word. So we attended last week and the topic was, is Labour working for ethnic minorities? My My initial answer is no. But we wanted to go to support Busayo twins. And we all know and love Busayo. She's an honorary member of Black Canvas. She's been on the podcast several times, and we're always going to support anything that she does. So she was on the defense. So, again, the premise of the event is that, yes, yeah, like a court. So, on the prosecution, right? So it was hosted by comedian and writer Dane. Baptiste, so he was the judge, and the prosecution was made up of Ava Vidal, who's a writer and political commentator and, and a comedian. I would say that's probably what I kind of mostly knew her as. Dr. Adam Elliot Cooper, he's an academic and author of Black Resistance to B- British Policing. And Ali Mirage, he is an LBC presenter, finan- financier, and DJ, and he's the founder of the Contrarian Prize. And the defence was made up of um, Abdi. Dual. he's a member of the Labour Party's National Executive Committee Johnson Situ he's a former Labour councillor he's currently shortlisted to be the Labour Parliamentary candidate for Croydon East and our girl, our baby girl the Sion political <laughs> analyst and founder of Everything is Political. So Dems, what did you think of the event? Do you
0: know what I, despite the name, I, I enjoyed myself I think the the beginning was a little bit disjointed from the main um, the main event. So at the beginning, they had just um, a little sketch, like a sketch of like a scenario. And it was basically this guy and this girl um, having a meeting and the woman was from HR. And it was just about how uh, how black people have to navigate the office when they're talking, when they're basically having to stand up for themselves and be assertive and then there was an interview with Yemesi uh, Yemisi Adegoke as well and i just found found those two bits a bit disjointed from the main event but they were still good and i still enjoyed them but um yeah it felt a little disconnected and the main event i quite enjoyed just everyone giving like their speeches like for the defense and prosecution and giving their reasons and just <laughs> the reactions to people who were um Defending labor, labor outside of Basayo because obviously Basaya doesn't <laughs> doesn't see labor as anything worth voting for. Like she even said, like she's got no skin in the game when it comes to labor, but she's just here to do what she's supposed to do. And I really, really enjoyed the way she put um like a clever spin on it and was just speaking about, yes, labor hasn't been doing great, but we have to think of the long game. We have to think of a strategy. So I kind of liked her spin on it. Um, I didn't really agree, but <laughs> I I just liked that her take on it was just so fresh and not, oh my God, you need to support Labour because they did this thing 20 years ago, which is what the other people have been doing. <laughs> but no, I, I, I enjoyed the event and I really enjoyed, you know, just being in community and hearing other other Black people and other people of colour, like talking about their views on politics and how they feel about the Conservatives and the Labour Party. So it was just nice and refreshing to have conversations about politics that aren't on the timeline or aren't on a feed. Because at the end of the day, we've said this before, it's all good tweeting and tweets and writing posts and getting viral, but we're not going to change community and build community online. It has to be in person as well. And it was just nice to be in person with people that look like us talking about politics.
1: I think you summed that up really, really well. I pretty much agree with everything that you said. Everything said about Busaya was spot on. Mm. She was very honest about labor ain't shit. (laughs) Like (laughs) basically they're they're not. So, but the spin on it was excellent. I think that she put a lot of thought into that and it was an excellent spin like you, I don't agree, but it was an excellent spin. And she has some really great points, like really, really great points um, around us being politically engaged and understanding the system that we, we exist in, I think that's really important. When you're going to engage in the political process and when you're going to exercise your right to vote, you need to be engaged in the political process, understanding what does the two-party system mean, right? What is their manifesto, right? It's not, it's not enough to just be hung up on one policy, Even though I believe that the one singular issue around the genocide is enough to not vote for Labour, personally, I think that that is a single issue that you can decide on who to vote for however outside of that it's important to understand like the whole picture so what's what is their stance on foreign policy what is what do they want to do around education healthcare? like all of these things are really really important so yeah like Dems I appreciated being out of being off of the internet for a second and actually just engaging with humans one-on-one rather than it just being behind like a computer screen or a phone because Actually, most people aren't actually on the timeline. I think it's very easy to get caught up in Twitter and Instagram and feel like the whole world is on social media, but actually they're not. I tried to look up the the statistics and didn't have enough time, but but most people are not on the timeline. So when you come out of social media and actually engage with people outside, you'll realise that there's a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And this event definitely showed that people are tired um at least for those who are for the prosecution there were some really great arguments what was there a highlight for you Dems?
0: I think the highlight for me was realizing that I say this a lot like how it's 2024 how are you like politically lost like girl get politically found soon because to be politically lost, that that's like a year ago. Like, where are you? But it's interesting, just like you said, I think everyone is just living online and not realising that engaging in politics in the real world is actually a lot more complex and needs a lot of work. And listening to people talk about how they don't know what to do or they don't know who to vote for or they're politically lost, I'm like, ah, okay, this is again the time where I need to extend a bit of grace to people because like you said, everyone just thinks that you're online all the time. And this was just a wake up call for me to realise that not everyone is, I don't even want to say well read, because that sounds a bit elitist. But it's true, like no one's well read or schooled on the political process and political language, or even feel like they can be as politically engaged as we can and actually feel that they can do something about it. So yeah, for me, the highlight was just, having that, um, hyper awareness that it's okay to be confused or afraid of what to do, but, you know, we're a community and we all need to kind of like help each other and encourage each other to think differently and dream big.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree. I think there were several moments in the event, particularly in the bit where, we, where there was audience participation I think that was probably be the best bit for me mm, in just listening mm. to what other people had to say um and there was like a few comments that have stuck with me there was a a young lady who was actually sat like on our side and when she spoke she said something like you know like dare to dream kind of thing and um, that yeah. really stuck with me because she was just like look enough like you know voting for the lesser of two evils is still evil do you know what I mean like we're not encouraged to dream, particularly in this country. Like we're not encouraged to dream. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not encouraged to really, because um, at least in America, you know, you have got the whole like, even though for all their faults and whatever, you know, the, the delusion can be admired for, for, for a like in a way. Do you know what I mean? Because you do need a level of yeah. delusion to be successful. You know what I mean, like you, do. you need to really have that self belief, and sometimes that does come from a place of a bit of a delusion. Yeah. We don't, we're not encouraged to do that in this country. We're, we're, we're encouraged to toe the party line. You know, we're encouraged to be prim and proper.
2: You do it this way. You work. Do you know what that's called? That's called being politically traumatised. Mm, mm, okay. mm,
0: like, mm. we are
2: traumatised. we were always scared to, like, make a definitive right, decision. Right, that's your, literally what you've just said. It's like,
1: when she said that, even though I am trying to imagine something different. But when she said that, I was like, do you know what? You're right. Like, she was like, dream a little bit, like dare to dream, like think outside of the box. Like, do you guys want to continue living in this hell? I don't. Do you know right? Even in your wildest dreams, people still can't imagine a better life. Like we're mm. talking about hypothetical here. We're not saying that this is going to be it. We're just saying, just think for a bit. And when she said that, I thought, do you know what? She's right. And then another guy stood up and he said something about, again, thinking about things more broadly, the political system in this country needs a complete overhaul. It's not just about Labour or Conservative, it's actually the political system itself. The two-party system does not work. The whole first-past-the-post bullshit doesn't work. It needs it needs it needs an overhaul. It needs to be changed. You know, one one of the man, um promises that Keir Starmer made was he was gonna abolish the House of Lords. He's 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 gone back on that promise, as with everything else. Like,
0: <laughs> the high priest of backpedaling.
1: Like these are all the things that again we need to think bigger. We need to think bigger, and it's not even radical to look outside of the two parties. It's not.
0: It's not. It's literally your... your Democratic, right. Civil right. Right.
1: It is not radical for you to say, do you know what, I've historically voted Labour, but at the moment there is nothing that Labour are saying or doing that aligns with me, right? Do you know how absurd it is to then go and reward them with a vote? Like That doesn't make <sighs> any sense. And then there was some mm. stupid analogy, yeah, that some babe on Twitter tried to give... I think she's like some political commentator. She gave some, it was, it really, wow, I was so annoyed. She said, for those that say Labour is Tory light, I get it. The way I see it, if I'm trying to make a healthier choice, I'd go Diet Coke rather than full
2: fat. Both are. Oh, get the fuck. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs>
1: Both. Right?
2: No, no. <laughs> yeah. Literally my yeah. reaction. Both are
1: far from ideal, but if those are the only two options in the shop, what else can you do? And then she said, in brackets, and yes, it's a shit shop. Do you know what you
2: can do, guys? You can get the fuck out the shop.
1: That's right, what you do. and take it the
0: clown makeup when you're done as well.
2: Do you know what, guys? Do you know I was discussing um, the show with Besayo, right? And obviously, she was like you said, she presented her ideas and a spin on why it's tactical to vote Labour still and all of that stuff. And I, for a second, was like, do you know what? We're actually delusional to think that any Green Party, any Socialist Party will ever run this country. I was actually like, yeah, yeah, it's all cute you guys, yeah. But it's just it's just not going to happen. But then it's true, you know, <laughs> it's just so annoying, it's frustrating. But Top said, do you know how stupid it would be to reward them with a vote? And that I think that's the key point here. As much as at the moment, I'm being a pessimist, I can't see it going any other way. I just feel like this is what we're left with at the moment, right? But... To then reward them and help them with the bullshit doesn't make sense, like that. It doesn't
0: at all, and that's why I keep saying, like, let's at least try and like fuck it up for them. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. So they have to rethink because if the percentage, the percentages of people that previously voted Labour specifically um, and Tory now voting um, outside of those two um, party-led campaigns, they're gonna hmm they're so gonna have to is. work. Yeah, you're gonna have, have to work. you're gonna have yeah, to. Yeah, you're gonna have
0: to do actually it. do the work and yeah. try and win us over, and that's what we need them to do: do the work.
1: Right, and and this is what I liked about the back and forth with the event because it got people; it, it gets you thinking, like it, instead of just yeah. being like okay, for for a lack of a better word, lazy or just complacent, it does get your mind thinking a little bit. Again, because we've been conditioned to not really think we've been conditioned to not critically think so it's red or blue red or blue red or blue that's literally what it is and then when you're suddenly presented with an alternative everybody gets their knickers in a twist because it's like what do you mean we've never done this before and it's like okay that's fine there's a first time for everything and again another person made a really good point right is that the concern even though UKIP didn't have a single member of parliament, in parliament, right? They were still able to shift the landscape in a way that I think is unprecedented.
0: Yeah. They got they got like a, a European um, mm-hmm. seat.
1: And not just that, they scared the main political parties. They, they scared mm. the Tories.
0: Because they took away some of their voters. They were like, oh, they're going to take away some of our uh, right, right, right-leaning uh-huh. voters.
1: Right. Right so it made it it made them pay attention, and when they when they pay attention, they know they have to make some changes but when mm. you don't do anything to get their attention, they're going to continue doing what they're doing and that's this is what needs to happen. this is what needs to happen with labor and when you look across like history and stuff, and say, like, okay when has there ever been a time where like the status quo within politics has been like shaken up, right?" um and it happened in spain where it rattled the establishment where suddenly people started to look outside because we weren't getting mm. what we needed and this is what needs to happen now that in all likelihood we will probably end up with either a labor or a conservative government in all likelihood that's what's in all that's what's probably going to happen however we can still we can still shake things up right we need enough of us to pull away from the main political parties for them to think oh shit like we just can't like do what we like or it's going to force them to take notice and that's what needs to happen here
0: do you remember back in the day when and it wasn't it wasn't that long ago it was maybe like 10 15 years ago it wasn't just two parties in parliament there were three parties in parliament because the Lib Dems had chances to stand up and speak and debate things, because they had a lot of votes. Now imagine if a lot of people didn't vote for a Labour and Conservative. That meant that there are less Labour and Conservative um backbenchers, and um, more backbenchers from other parties in Parliament able to actually speak for us. Even if it's just one, even if it's two or three, at least they have a voice in there. And that's what politics used to be like. It was a lot more of an even ground, even if it wasn't really left, right and centre. There was a lot more even ground. It wasn't just two parties battling back and forth with each other. And this is the place that, yes, the system isn't built for us. It isn't built for us to thrive. At least we can have less headache because some of us are literally struggling making it day to day, every day something is happening in this country, but at least when it comes to politics, we can just have just a little bit more balance within Parliament when it comes to diversity of thought because there is zero diversity of thought in Parliament at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's ex- very extremely well said, very, very well said. That That's what needs to happen because, again, when you're in a general election, you're not necessarily voting for um, Keir Starmer or Rishi Sunak, unless you actually live in their constituency. Like, and this is what I said at the event. It's about and Dems has always maintained this: you need to engage in local politics. Like we saw at the march on Saturday, um, that Leanne Mohammed she is running um, in um, Ilford as an independent mm, as an yeah. independent candidate. She's a British Palestinian, and she is running as an independent candidate. And we're seeing more and more of that in the last couple of months that um, people are going independent because they don't want to align themselves with labor anymore because they are they no longer align with where they are in their lives and i think more and in, more of us need to start doing that you you that voting is your democratic right it is your right what you know what isn't your their right your vote <laughs> your vote it's not a god-given right yeah that we as black people vote for labor and this was the conversation at the event that you know how historically we've always voted for them and you know are do labor sort of rest on their laurels and just just assume that because we all hate the conservatives or because of the Tories' long history of racism that we're just going to vote for labor well no we've got some news for you sonny labor are also racist. Okay. Right. There is a very long history of anti blackness within the Labour Party. So even if before we even get on to the way they treated Jeremy Corbyn or the continuous backbench, um, backbiting, U turns, and everything that Keir Starmer is doing, they've never addressed the anti blackness in that party ever. So to answer the question at the event, so we all had to vote. I guess we were essentially the jury. And we had to vote on whether we felt that Labour was working for ethnic minorities. And what do you think? The, the overwhelming answer was no.
0: Yeah, and it was overwhelming. <laughs>
1: it was overwhelming. And yeah, even though we are just, we're not the entire like black, black population or the, the entire ethnic minority population, but it definitely is almost, it does give a sense of how people are feeling. And I think mm. and what we now need to do is capitalize on that. Like people saying that they're politically homeless in, in in of itself isn't a bad thing. What is a bad thing is if you just remain there because it's it's lazy. And I'm and I'm talking to myself because I was the same a couple of months ago. It's lazy because it's like, all right, red, blue, don't like either of them. Okay, fine, I'm just gonna disengage. And it's like, well, no, there are other alternatives and we need to move away from feeling like we only have one or two options we don't we absolutely don't
0: and speaking of moving yeah. away that one guy the black guy who was a conservative the um, probably the only conservative voice there when he got up and stood up and walked around the center of that room to say that black people don't know how to organize let me tell you something
2: <laughs> sorry
0: you can go to hell with Labour and the Conservatives, go to hell. Because the way he stood up with them to say, oh, well, black people just don't know how to organize. He was so lucky that we were in a public place. I'm just gonna say that. I think Ava answered him as well, and then I said something as well. And it's just like, this is one of the reasons why we need to read. And we need to be intentional about reading our history, particularly when it pertains to in this country, because I am convinced that there is a large section of our history in this country that is being forgotten. And for someone so young to actually have that in his mind and say that, have the confidence to say that in a group of of a group of black people as well, I'm just like, where do you get your information from? Because like I said in, in, the, in the debate, like I come from, you know, activist stock. You know, like my mum and my grandparents were out there uh, marching against police brutality in Hackney in the 80s and 90s and in New Cross as well. And I know my history and I know there was very much uh, uh, activist uh, group-focused, community-based activism going on. And I don't know how you don't know, I really don't. And one of the big reasons why it's not happening anymore, not because we, we are not able to organize or don't know how to organize, but the reasons why we don't have so many organizations in that force since the nineties is because of institutional racism. It's because of the government, it's because of the police. Look at spy cops. The police literally married and had children with people within within police brutality groups in Hackney and in South London, and literally tore these organisations down from within. So isn't it any wonder why we see a lack of these social hubs in communities now? It's because we can't, because of systemic issues. But no, he's just out there in the middle of that crowd saying that black people don't know how to organise. That was so anti-black and I'm so happy that we were in a public place because I don't know what I would have done if it wasn't the case.
2: Well, that was a read in anyway, so I heard someone say something. Yeah, no,
1: honestly, I'm so glad that he was challenged. Dems stood up and gave the most eloquent, elegant read to put him in his place. Because, and then there was a few other people did the same because it was very insulting. And, like, he was the only, like, openly Tory there. And his name is Albie. He's the host of GB News. (laughs) And um, he also has a podcast called Kissed a Tory. He regularly comments on the BBC, LBC, the Jeremy Vine show. Um, And he's also on the board for Tories for Equality, And he's also a part of the LGBT plus conservative group. So he's a very, very strong Tory. Like he's part of all different initiatives in that group. And he just sort of sat there. I remember saying this to Debs while we were there, like even the way he was just sat there, like backing his popcorn, he was sort of like slouched in his chair, sitting there all smug with his popcorn. It was just like the perfect illustration of... Tories in general, like being very Mm. smug and eating away without a care in the world and not actually taking the time to really engage with the community Um, and you know he is a black man um, saying all of this and this is my issue with a lot of political um, particularly black Tories Right, is that like the lack of engagement or actually listening because maybe they just don't want to, but if you're gonna take the time to come to an event like that, what would what is the point of not actually just listening? Because it was almost like he was he was arguing with people. Do you remember Debs?
0: He was the only person that li- literally everyone else we were just having we were having adult debate. We weren't even debating. We were just getting stuff off of our chest because, like Tiffany said, we're going through political drama. And this guy was just, like, aggressive. He was just arguing with people. He was literally the only person that was arguing. And I was just like, well, if you're here to argue, why are you here? And this is why I don't believe. I think you mentioned this before. This guy is not in community. This guy is in every other community but his own. And it shows.
1: Mm -hmm. It really does show. And even if, for whatever reason, he didn't know right? He didn't know. Then why don't you just be quiet and listen? But there isn't there isn't actually a willingness to listen. And it's that ignorance and that disrespect that you're in a room filled with majority black people who are basically telling you that that's not the case. And we know he didn't listen because then the next day he went on Twitter and basically regurgitated the same crap he did at the event. So, so for me, it's like, well, then why come? Like, why be there? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you, as the the as a politician, really cared about okay making a difference and actually listening to people, then you come into these spaces and you listen. But he just he just represents everything that is wrong with government at this moment in time. Like, is, there is a there's almost like there's a contempt or a disdain for the community because you that must be what it is. That like you you don't even feel like we're worth engaging with.
0: He doesn't care. Him and his lopsided afro. He doesn't nope. care. They
1: don't care. They don't care. And that just was a perfect illustration of that. They don't. They don't. They don't feel like we're important enough to take the time to engage. And 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 that is why you can't reward them with your votes because you need to be. They need to see that they're not going to be rewarded for bad behavior. Like we're not. We don't mm. live in a dictatorship. If you're not doing what you're supposed to do then we don't vote for you that's that's how it should work right but in order for that to work we also need to do some work and actually engage with the political process like let be led by your heart basically like which party aligns Mm -hmm. with you right and at this moment in time it isn't the conservatives well i mean it's never been them and it's like (laughs) and and it's not labor so I walked out of the shit shop and said, "Okay, what else is going on?" And I've already mentioned this that I've looked into the Green Party, and I'm really liking what I'm hearing. I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I'm now looking into the Socialist Party because they've been at every single march, and they're out there. They
0: are out there, like out. They
1: really out are there. out there. So that's piqued my interest.
0: I think I would actually join that party. I'm, I'm already i've i've already been voting for the Green Party, holistically historically yeah. anyway but i'm i'm thinking of changing my vote and joining the uh-huh. socialist worker party because they're just the i think it's it's less because they're about it and more because they just use realistic language like they're not sitting there like like sugarcoating anything they're just saying this country's a bit shit <laughs> and it just needs to be changed and they're just using real world language, and they're not afraid to say what they want to say.
1: Yeah, and and that's what I appreciate. So for me, like on that singular issue with the genocide, that was enough to pique my interest and say, okay, I am going to look into it even more. And th- and that's all it takes. Do you know what I mean? Like all it takes is for you to look outside of the two main parties and see, okay, what are they saying about this singular issue? And then you say, okay, well, I really like what they're saying about that that issue. Let me see what else they're saying about this issue. So when I wanted to find out, okay, what are they saying about the genocide? Okay, cool. All right, now what are they saying about the NHS? What are they saying about our healthcare? What are they saying about our public services? What are they saying about foreign policy? And it just it just sends you down a rabbit hole, and that's what more of us need to start doing. So, so yeah, so we say all of this to say it was a really good event. Do you think we need more events like this?
0: Yeah, of course. We we need more. We need more events that aren't centred around um, yeah and alcohol and more about in-community conversations about the issues that really matter at the moment. Like, obviously, like we can have conversations about anything in it, but we need to be, as a community, in conversation more with each other when it comes to, politics and the betterment of our communities change is only going to happen if we take the time to actually do the work and doing the work means showing up
1: absolutely I agree I think that yeah more in-person events get people talking do you know what I mean like you don't even need to be the smartest person in the room you really don't I think it's really important people are just talking because we're never going to be able to challenge ignorance or challenge bias or whatever if you don't open your mouth, and sometimes social media mm. isn't always the best place. Well, it is, it's it's not <laughs> not the best place for nuance. It isn't, and people are afraid to sometimes say what they want to say for fear of I don't know being dragged or whatever. And yeah, and sometimes you do need to have. Sometimes a small small drag is not going to kill you. However, more events like this because you can learn something and. I I really appreciate um, Nels for putting on this event. I think it's a really great concept, despite the name. I do think that it's a really great concept. And I think leading up to the general election, it would be nice to see more of these kind of events springing up, bigger events, because it's really important to try and reach as many people as we can. Um, And and particularly because a lot of people are feeling... um, like feeling that fatigue, a lot of people are still really hurt by what's happened to Jeremy Corbyn. I am too. Um, But one of the things that you need to recognize is that Jeremy Corbyn hasn't stopped, right? That happened to him, right? He's been dragged through the mud. Um, Everything's been thrown at him. And despite all of that, he still shows up every day, right? So who are we to like stop? Do you know what I mean? Like he still continues. And really and truly, if my guy just said this, you know I'm going to retire. Who would blame him? Who would blame him? That man has given his life to fighting against injustice. Yeah. And he's old. And if he wanted to retire, yes, yes, do that. But he doesn't. He showed up to every single Palestinian march. He even flew to The Hague to support the South African team. Like he is about it. Right. That is enough for me to say, do you know what? I'm going to continue for all that we say about the system. And for all that we criticize, we still live within this system. You don't get to disengage from it. Okay. Right. 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 OK, this this past weekend, we had the 66th annual Grammy Awards and a lot of press has dubbed it the Year of the Woman because female artists have dominated the major categories. So, yeah, so they have dubbed it Year of the Woman. Um, I would like to just make a slight amendment there. I think it's the Year of the White Woman. It's very important to make that distinction um, because we're going to get into it. So the really big wins of the night, Taylor Swift won Album of the Year and she actually made history because she is the very first artist to win Album of the Year four times. (sighs) Very appropriate there. Um, Song of the Year went to Billie Eilish for What Was I Made For? and Record of the Year was won by Miley Cyrus for Flowers. Can I just say that Flowers
2: is a Bob?
0: Do you know what? I don't even know if I heard that song. Oh my God. I just—I was singing it today in my head, and I was like, "Why am I singing this song?" It's just always—it's just always on it's somewhere on every, in the background. Like you can't
1: escape it. It's on everywhere. It's on everywhere. And no, that is a tune. I love that song. I just wanted to just throw that out there, bit of useless information, but I love that song.
2: I love what I was I made yes. for? Yes, these are some really good
1: tunes, right? So yeah, Taylor Swift. She made history, guys. Oh. Uh.
2: She made history four
1: times, you know, album of the year, four times. She actually has, so she she also announced at the awards that she will be releasing her, I think it's her 11th studio album. Um, How Mm -hmm. old is she, man? 11, you know, how old is she? Let me just Google. She must, she must be. Oh, she's, oh, wow. She's 34. 34? She's older than me. Do do you know what? Let's just, let's just stay on that for a second. Yeah. Because that's intentional. The way she's packaged, mm. yeah, is in, is is intentional, right? And uh, me saying this isn't this isn't groundbreaking news. Of course, she, of course, she's packaged a certain way, but it's intentional because you know she's only like a year younger than Adele, yeah. and mm. Adele's been packaged a certain way.
2: Yeah, this
1: certain. yeah she's yeah. Been
0: packaged to appeal to the older. Yeah, crowd.
1: yeah. they they could have been in the same school year. So, did she deserve? I mean. Have you, I mean, I'm sure neither of you have listened to the album.
2: No, I don't ask me about Taylor Swift, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it seems like, it seems like I'm more of a, more of a Taylor Swift fan then. You're a Swifty. No,
1: no, I'm not. not. I'm just like, she does have some bops. She does. But do I think that she has bops that warrant winning the album of the year four times? No, I don't. Is it really a win for women? Nope. No. Nope. Nope. No, I mean we we could just no. To be honest, this could apply (laughs) to like this could also apply to like the award season just in general because there was also some discourse around the Oscars and certain people being snubbed and stuff like that, right? And look, I don't think that this is a win for women because I feel like the issue that I have, and it's not necessarily with Taylor Swift, right? It's about it's about what she represents. And this isn't mm. well. Me you, just, I mean, th- this isn't to take away from her talent because I think that when you're talking about stuff like this, I think it's also important to be able to have the the correct like perspective. Like, if you've never listened to a Taylor Swift album, right, then you can't. It's really Like, I'm not really going to listen to your opinion. Is basically what I'm saying. I think that it's important to engage with what we're talking about here. Then you can actually have an accurate opinion. And say, okay, fine. Yes, yeah, she was snubbed, right? And I think a lot of people are rightfully upset for Beyonce because you know many people stand for Beyonce and of course Beyonce is the greatest musician of our time like of course she is Taylor Swift even cited her as an inspiration right she knows yeah I think Taylor Swift is actually very talented I think from a um from a songwriting perspective but she's safe right Taylor Swift is safe she's inoffensive she's I saw somebody describe her as vanilla everybody likes vanilla Like she appeals to an audience that is, is safe. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Like there isn't anything offensive about her, right? She is the quintessential like American girl next door, right? Um, she could be your best friend, right? She could be your sister. So I've often, so even though I feel that she is talented I've often kind of struggled with her success because I don't know where it's come from. Like, am I am, am I alone on that? I'll you know, be you...
0: honest. <laughs> 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 I honestly don't care about the, uh, the Oscars or the Grammys. I do not care about Taylor Swift winning Album of the Year. Like, from since 2016, when Beyonce didn't win um, Album of the Year for Lemonade, I was like, okay, fine. So these wa- awards aren't for us then? and i was cool with that I, I wasn't doing no oscar so why we need to get we need to get them to look at us and to give us our things and we need the grammys to really recognize black talent i was like they have told us what they think about us and so i don't need to either and also when you think about it why are we doing up avengers assemble for these artists that are billionaires like Beyonce really wanted to say something about not getting this award. She would have said something, like she said, "The best revenge is your paper."
2: Well, Jay Z came through for that, didn't he?
0: Well, that's well... trust the black man to to show up and and <laughs> mm-hmm. say nonsense. Um... So again, again, it was just I'm just like, why are we here? Why are we here begging, begging, begging for these for these fake mm-hmm. gold awards that. So just don't mean well, anything. We're
1: gonna we're gonna talk about it. That's a brilliant segue. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I know you're running short. No, no, I love so it. I thought I I give th- you Thank one. you. I mean, yeah, I just it's just it's the it's the cultural dominance of her that I find baffling. Like this is not a talk about whether she's talented or not because yeah, I do think she is, but it's just the dominance that I find baffling. But anyway, right? So. Jay-Z was awarded with some kind of lifetime achievement award that's in honor of like, it's a Dr. Dre thing. And and that is a separate conversation in in itself because I think that the fact that Dr. Dre has like some philanthropy or something awarded his name when he has very well documented um, abuse of women, it's just the whole thing makes me sick. But anyway... So he got up on the stage to accept this award and use that time to basically call out the Grammys about, you know, his wife and the fact that she has never won album of the year and how even by their own metrics doesn't make any sense. She is the most awarded artist of all time. She has over 30 Grammys. So she's definitely not short of Grammys, but one could argue the most significant Grammy one could win is album of the year and she's never won it. So if you haven't seen his speech, it's it's all over um, the internet. But personally, my two cents on his speech is that, and then also once he did his speech, he got off the stage and he used his Grammy um, as a cup. He poured some, some, some wine or some expensive champagne or whatever, and he drank out of his Grammy. Very unhygienic, but whatever. Personally, I didn't feel that his speech was a flex. I think that, calling out the Grammys on the stage, on their stage, right? Holding their award to me is meaningless. I think it would have been a much stronger message to just not turn up. If if, if the whole right? thing is beneath you, then let it be beneath you, right? Do you know what I mean? Like if you're that upset that your wife, rightfully, yeah, he, he wasn't wrong in what he said. Don't get me wrong. He's not wrong in what he said. If Taylor Swift can win a Grammy four times for her album, then Beyonce should have won a Grammy for every single album she's ever done. But we all know this. And if he had done this maybe 10 years ago, yeah, great. Oh my God, massive impact. The impact is declining to attend. But God forbid any celebrity actually stands for something. So the whole thing to me just rings hollow. Because you will show up year after year after year after year, accept their awards because at the end of the day, they still crave this validation. That's what it is, right? And again, this is not me right. saying that wanting recognition for your work is wrong. Of course, everybody would like recognized for their work, right, and the Grammys definitely is something that many artists, many aspiring artists look up to. I totally get that. But we're talking about Beyonce here. She doesn't need to attend. She doesn't need to be there, right? right? It's, it, it will send such a powerful message if Beyonce, the most decorated, most awarded artist of all time says, do you know what? Thank you, but no thanks. Drake's done it for all her problems. Nicki Minaj has done it. They don't go. They don't go. Eminem done it. They don't go. And for a time, Mariah Carey didn't attend either. Mariah Carey has only five Grammys, five. She's never won Album of the Year. The last woman, the last black woman to win Album of the Year was Lauryn
2: Hill. Was that 25 years
1: ago? Yep. So, think about the last twenty five years, right, and think about all of the cultural moments that have happened. Beyonce completely shifted the way that we engage with music. She completely did a mm. she did a, did a reset on how artists drop music right She was a moment there were every single celebrity, every single artist in that room was lining up for a picture with beyonce. She is the moment you can't tell me that there is anybody in that room that has any more, that has cultural significance the way Beyonce has shifted that music scene the last decade, the last 25 years.
2: Well, she's music royalty. So. so
1: why are we showing up? Why are we going? Yeah. Accept your award and go sit down.
0: Right. Instead of you to just sit down in your place as second to Beyonce and just be quiet, you're up there talking like a talker please like no one cares
1: and that and that's and that's just my thing i think that um a, a nowadays like just people don't they don't stand for anything and and, and this is I'm not even disappointed because they're they're like billionaires. Like of course they don't stand for anything.
2: They're standing for themselves, yeah. It's literally for their self-interest. He's upset. He's upset because in in his mind and it's it's ego ego-driven, isn't it? Because like we said, Beyonce doesn't need it. Like she doesn't. You don't. Beyonce doesn't need recognition from the Recording Academy, but to them yeah. that's important. That etches their their right. names in history with the Confusion Academy, which is still and important. I get
1: why and and again oh. like multiple things can be true here. Like I get why it's important, Do you know. I, I get it. I get why it's important. I get why, as a husband, that you know your wife is doing the damn thing, you and you're proud of her. You see the amount of sacrifice she go Like I get all of that, right? I get it, but please, it's 2024, okay? Mm-hmm. Like Kanye's already done this. OK, kind of did this and you all called him mad. He did this. Right. And at this point, in order to show a stronger message, I just don't believe you need to. I don't I don't believe calling the Grammys out on their stage, accepting their awards and going to your assigned seat is, is, a, is a moment. It isn't. I'm sorry, but <laughs> like, it isn't. Not going is a moment. That's what will get people. That what get people talking.
0: Not accepting your award is a moment.
1: Yeah. That is what, and this is what I mean. Like a lot of the time, because we see this as well when like Black people accept their colonial trinkets, it's like, you know, I had to do this. You know, like I just you you write all these articles about why you needed to accept it, and it's just like no, oh, fuck, man. like just just accept it. You wanted you want the validation, right? And yes, Grammys come with all kinds of stuff and whatever, and these colonial trinkets come with all kinds of stuff. We know that, right? I would have more respect for people if they were just honest about that they wanted that. It's the same thing. All you people out there that accept with colonial trinkets. You don't need to come and tell me and be writing like a five-page letter on why you needed to accept it. It's meaningless. It's, it's, all, it's all hollow. And this is the kind of activism that a lot of people like engage in this meaningless mm. hollow activism you think it's a flex you think it's a win over racism or you think it's a win to get up on their stages and accept their awards and be in their circles and basically beg and like you're you're not it's not the flex you think it is and we need to kind of grow up and move away from this hollow activism because it doesn't do anything for anyone it's individual it's self-serving so it's a very long way of saying um <laughs> congratulations to Taylor Swift <laughs> I mean, what else did they say?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Congrats to her. Congrats to all the winners of the night. And just very, like, last thing before we move on from the Grammys. Um, do you know what I think is, like, missing from award ceremonies that we used to have, like, years ago? Like, artists, actors, singers, like, they used to make political statements. Like, they used to really stand for something. They used to use those stages, um, for It was a moment and we've not had that in a really long time. Um, but what we did have, because I was watching thinking, hmm, is anyone going to, I guess, talk about the fact that there's an ongoing genocide? But Annie Lennox, she called for a ceasefire during um, her Grammy performance. So she performed on the backdrop of an image of Sinead O'Connor, may God rest her soul. Um, it, she, it was a tribute to her. And we know that Sinead O'Connor was about it like Sinead O'Connor was really about it. She it she really was on job. Like she called out um, the Catholic priests that were doing their nastiness and she got black. Like they almost, I think they excommunicated her like the Catholic church. Like it was yes. a big thing back in the day. And this is what I mean. Like uh, artists like, were about something. They stood for something. Um, and we don't really see that anymore. And that could be a whole podcast episode. So we won't get into that, but Annie Lennox did. Um, And I thought that that was, it just reminded me of times once before where (laughs) artists use these times to really draw attention, to really think things that were important. Uh, And we don't see that anymore.
0: Nope.
1: um, But also, um, don't just want to make it about um, white women. Um, There was a win for Make Me Water. She won. Her made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I know, I know. Um,
2: and they played the wrong song. They, okay. They
1: did. They played they played fella. Like honestly, poor fella. What is anyway? Like, I just don't understand. Anyway, um she won um a grammy um she won her song uh, she, for her song water in the best african music performance so she won it over davido burn a boy um obviously look nigerians have main character syndrome, so they think that you know nigerians were robbed but look she had that song was huge so i'm not surprised that she won but she did um, it was also a wonderful night for Victoria Monet. Mm.
2: She,
1: um, I thought her accepted.
2: They're so happy for her.
1: So. I, I mean, I don't know how you just can't not be. Like, don't
2: Honestly. Like,
1: everything we've said about the Grammys is true, but that doesn't mean that we also can't be happy for people that get recognised, right? And Victoria Monet has been about it and she's been in these streets for a very long time and mm-hmm. she didn't get to perform. Was it the VMAs? where they basically said to her that it's not your time yet.
2: It's not your time. Um, Um, And in the same year
1: where she was basically told that it's not your time, she becomes a three, she wins three Grammys. So I saw her acceptance speech and she was like, you know, this is like a 15 years in the making. And she just sort of represents someone who works hard um, and has finally been rewarded for that. And like I said, I just feel like I don't know how you can't be happy for her. I've not really been... I've not really listened to her until the On My Mama song. So I was a new... I'm a new fan, basically. Um, right, yeah. So it was when that song came out that I thought, oh, okay. Like I kind of always knew about her, but I was never really moved to listen to her music. But when that song came out, I thought, you know what? I'm actually going to... I'm actually going to bop this album. And I've really enjoyed Jaguar. Jaguar? Jaguar? Jaguar,
0: Jag- yeah.
1: Jaguar. I've really enjoyed it. So... Well done to her. Um, yeah, well done to all the people them. Coco okay, Jones as well. Coco Jones, yeah. She got a hug from Beyonce. There's a clip. Yeah, I saw that.
2: You
1: know that clip. There's a clip where Beyonce's yep. walking through the crowd. But I
2: Spice smiling like I a...
1: Spice. A run up to her like the fan that she... I mean, we're all fans, but anyway. But Beyonce didn't hug her. No, I hear it. I hear you. I get why she would do that. Yeah, That's like enough, we, but... all, we would all do the same. But Beyonce chose... With all the people that came up to her, she only hugged Coco.
2: Yeah. So I thought that was lovely.
1: So yeah, congratulations to all the
2: winners. I hope you enjoy your Grammy's. This is Office News, my favourite song on the album, sorry, Scissors My Babes. I mean all these all these girls have been robbed, man. They've all been robbed. Yeah, it was it was a b yeah, it was bittersweet. It's like some people got robbed, some people got acknowledged early in their career. So it's like yeah. Yeah. I just
1: like I just think it's just unfair. Like I'm sorry to harp on about this, guys, but I just feel like it's not even just the Grammys. Like it's just in general. Like we this is just life in general that like Black women, Black people have to work ten times harder for like a fraction of what is given to white people. It just it it just grinds my gears. And yes, as much as I can disengage from the Grammys, the Oscars, and whatever, it is just. An illustration of life. It It is just life. And it just frustrates the heck out of me that we have to work so hard, so, so hard for a fraction of what is just handed to other people. And it just, it really upsets me. But speaking of Grammy award winners... Candy is a Grammy Award-winning artist. She's a beautiful songwriter, very successful, very very rich. But she's also the star, one of the stars of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. And she was at the Grammys, and she made an announcement. She announced that she will be leaving the Real Housewives of Atlanta after 14 seasons. And I said, "Yep, yep, yep. It's about time." Bye, yeah, Candy.
2: just go, just go live your movie, babes. It's it's okay. It's okay.
1: I think it's time. I think that especially if you watched the last season i mean to to be she has been over it for a few seasons, but it was no more apparent than it was last season like it was the most obvious it looked that she was so unbothered with the cast with everything and I think it's much better to just bow out bow out gracefully um because candy is like she she is part of Real Housewives history like she is like the longest like housewife in history um she's had multiple spin-offs I listened to an interview that Andy gave earlier on today and her relationship with Bravo is solid she is leaving with everything intact so I think it's the I think it's the best time I also think that it's not a coincidence that she's leaving when it's rumored that Nini's returning Mm. I think that we've seen Nini being really out out these last couple of months, yeah, um, like have you noticed that
0: yeah, 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 i mean i I don't think Candy is leaving. I think Candy's contract didn't get renewed, you think so, oh. yeah, I'll be honest because she's been doing interview- she's been, really been doing right. interviews, and people have been asking, oh, so what's happening with Atlanta Housewives? And she's like, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. girl, we know that Eula aren't coming back and they're bringing back Neely and Portia. So...
1: Mm. That's actually... Because she said on the red carpet, she said that... Because um, they said, oh, why now? And then she she said something like they were taking too long to make a decision. And in that time, she thought about her future. So I thought maybe she decided to leave before she was pushed. Oh. Or it could be what you're saying. That's
2: still a push. That's still a push. It no, it's still a, a, yeah, yeah, it's still a
1: push. Because she said because she said that they were taking too long. So in her mind, again, Candy's a very shrewd businesswoman. She's about sure. it. Like She's not stupid. So to Dems' point, yeah, maybe she knew that the writings were on the wall. Yeah And she's like let me just quickly go before They
0: find cute. Yeah, do do she should have done a really nice cute iOS press release like Cynthia Bailey did And just bow out Super gracefully Come back for like An episode or two like Cynthia yep. did And then just go back And she's just like too addicted To the check I'm just like Girl you've got yeah, so many absolutely. other things going on Like do something different Yeah
2: peace like, out Candy
0: but yeah, like Top said, she was, um, she is housewives, like royalty. She's a legend. Um, we loved you, Candy. Yep. Peace you out.
1: We do, peace out. Um, I think, I think it will be, strange isn't the word, but I feel like it will be interesting to see what they're going, what, what it's going to be like without Candy. Because I've just gotten like, it's just Candy's real housewives. Well, she's not, she's not real housewives, but she's such, she's such a, um, staple on the show that i'm really interested to see the direction they're going to go in
0: we will be fine and we will not miss her yeah
1: yeah
2: <laughs> oh my god guys i'm love okay, Candy. Talk. oh okay fine yeah, but time, I, it's
0: listen too. she won't I, be
2: missing her the same way
0: i'm a candy stan mm. but i also know that i will not miss her on the show
1: okay i mean yeah. fine her last the last season she was barely on it
0: and the and the relationship that she has with like her husband and her mom and her business. I'm just like
1: tired.
0: We've seen it all before. And I and like I said, like I love Candy hands down, but I'm like there's just nothing I don't think there's any more that she can give.
1: True. Yeah. In
0: terms of the character on the show. Yeah. So like love you, but you know. See you peace later, out. Girl. Calm down. bye Okay. See
1: you later, girl. Fine. <laughs> you guys are right. No, <laughs> no, you guys are right. I was just trying to have a moment, but that's fine. All right, my loves. So, yeah, we've really gone around the houses, man. Grammys, Real Housewives, like, upper tea, like, it's been a lot. So, yeah, before we go, we are going to give you this week's spotlight. And I'm going to hand over to Tiffany to do this week's spotlight.
2: Hi, guys. Yeah, so this week's spotlight is Yemisi Adegoke. And Yemisi Adegoke is the senior reporter at the BBC, She's part of the team responsible for the recent documentary and podcast exposing the crimes of rock star Nigerian pastor T.B. Joshua. In season two of her podcast, World of Secrets, the Disciples, the podcast investigates the cult of Nigerian prophet T.B. Joshua, um, which is a story of miracles, faith and manipulation told by people from around the world who gave up everything for one of the most powerful religious figures of the century. Um, lured by TB Joshua's claimed healing powers and the promise that one day they could be like him, they live as disciples in a guarded Lagos compound cut off from family and friends. So it's a cult essentially. Um, and I'm it's really interesting exploring these. I always find these types of documentaries interesting because cults or well, the power of um cult leaders always links to um political issues in that area. So it's always linked to poverty, it's always linked to a poor um structure, social structure in the area. So it's always interesting to see how these you know, it it highlights their evil really, that they're willing to exploit um these factors of people's detriment for for their good really. So shout out to Yemisi for highlighting that and you know, giving voice to those that wouldn't have had it to be honest so yeah we'll be listening and reviewing it soon so l- wait and listen out for that on the podcast going forward and listen to Yemisi's podcast World of Secrets now wherever you listen to your podcasts so that was the spotlight for today Yemisi Adigoke
1: thank you so much love um so yeah i've listened to a the first episode of World of Secrets so yeah really looking forward to us getting into that and reviewing that um wow Again, another round the houses episode, but we did a lot today. We did a lot.
0: We really did a lot, and there was
1: even a lot of stuff that we didn't say. That you know, (laughs) there's just honestly, guys, we don't have that much time. I mean, look, if you see what is on the floor at the moment in terms of the topics we threw away, it's just (laughs) (laughs) what's on the editing floor. Like, it's a lot, but yeah, we only have limited amount of time, but. The world is a crazy place my loves and we're just doing the best that we can. So as always if you are not following us please do give us a follow we are on Twitter and Instagram we are Black Canvas TV um, and shout out to all our listeners as well um, because we've been going out a bit more recently we're actually meeting some of our listeners and it always always floors me that people listen. Hey listeners. <laughs> like, obviously I want people to listen. This
2: is our own little world guys talking you, because my because Tiffany and
1: Thames are my, they're my actual friends. So when we're chatting, (laughs) we're just like,
2: we're just
1: chatting. chatting. (laughs) So it still stuns me every time people like say they listen and we, we do not take that for granted. Honestly, we are just three people having a chat every week, learning, unlearning, sharing what we like, what we don't like with you. And we are just ourselves. And the fact that, so many of you are liking it and engaging with it. And even if you don't, and we, again, we take, we take constructive feedback. We're always ready to listen to what you have to say. But the fact that you take the time every week to listen to us, we do not take for granted whatsoever. So shout out to all of you listeners, those of you that come up to us as well. We love it. Thank you so much. It's really encouraging. And on that note, we also wanted to say that we turned one last week it's been one year since we launched this episode this podcast and what a year it has been it has been an incredible year it's been we started this we it wasn't perfect it it, we know we do a lot of this ourselves actually no we do everything ourselves (laughs) I mean (laughs) we do everything ourselves like this is literally everything to ourselves and yeah I think it's just a testament to anyone out there who wants to do anything and you don't feel like it's perfect just start just start like we didn't have everything we wanted at the time we started but we just were like you know what if we don't do it now we're never gonna do it and look we're one year on and we we're still here we didn't give up right you know I'm still
0: um I still can't believe it's been a year it doesn't feel like it It but when I look back when I look back, I'm like, wow, like a whole year we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, just like what Top said, like, if you ever feel like you want to do something, just do it. And just try and be as consistent as possible. Like, we've we've missed some weeks. There are some weeks where Tiffany hasn't been here. There are some weeks where where we're late for an episode. But, you know, like, life happens. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're consistent and you still have that drive and that commitment to create something then just just do it it's all about consistency the consistency may not be perfect it may not be the way that you want it but just show up and show out and be consistent
2: yeah I was just saying that it's important to be accountable to yourselves you know the dreams that you have and things that you want to focus on and that you're genuinely interested in because we are we're not always perfect but we're accountable to each other so yeah, we have a really good team. We're accountable to each other and we just try and keep going and we'll perfect as we go. So shout out to us, man. Yeah. Shout out, shout
1: out to us and shout out to all you listeners. Um thank you for for being here and yeah, we are one. Oh, god, first birthday. Right, we're going to get off. Um thank you so much for um listening and making it to the very end of this episode. And all of the information, as always, in terms of all the platforms, the resources, all that stuff is always in the description below. So please do check that out. There's really great resources there for you. And until next week, we hope you have a wonderful week, whatever you do, be great. And we'll see you next week.
2: Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.